Hey, Cameron. Hey, Chad. So I'm on Reset Era, and there was a thread, and some guy was like, Hey, how do you guys display your anime figures? Because I have a bunch, and I want them to look cool. And so this one guy posted a picture of his setup, and it was like this Ikea glass box, and he's scrolling through it, and in some of his figures, he had to put black sensor boxes around so you could share the picture on, on the website. And I thought that was really, really funny. Yes. And then someone, people were like, oh, I bet he's kidding. And he's like, so what do you do when your friends come over? It's like, oh, my friends know I have anime pictures with titties. And it's like, man, imagine imagine spending money on those and actually putting them in glass and then putting them in your living room. Well, that's how Richard lives. Is it really? Richard, you have you have anime titty titties? Yeah, Richard, take take pictures of your figures. Uh you have you have all your sexy ghostbusters. I like email those in. Yeah, yeah. I like the reply where someone just posted a picture of a cardboard box. <laughs> I like that too. And it's like I can't like shame too much. I got alien figures and Marvel figures and Godzilla and stuff. But there's something about anime figures that I feel like is a step below and it's just like no, I will never stoop to those. And it partly because they're really expensive. Well, I have well, a pickle. I feel one. like I feel like if you have your favorite character that you actually like, you know, like it, uh, your favorite Dragon Ball Z guy or like something like that, that's one thing. Yeah, like Inuyasha or whatever. But it's like when uh when somebody just collects every exact same hourglass shape. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. There's like- there's like a different style. I was really tempted, because I know there, there's a set of K-On figures that are, like, pretty good, but they're also, like, $80 a statue, and it's like, okay, fuck no for one. But even that's a little too far for me, because that anime is not super well-known, and then they're all girls in, like, high school uniforms with guitars and stuff, because they are in a band. And it's like, yeah, I really like that anime a lot. Like, it is one of my favorites, but too far. I will, however, get random Dragon Ball Z figures, maybe if they're cheap. I like Dragon Ball Z enough. I feel like that's a safe one to show people. Goku's cool. It's honestly not like a great show when you go back and watch it, but it's it's fun. No, it's still pretty good. I don't know. The uh, the Kai version I like better because the pacing's better. But then like I feel yeah. like the definitive version is is Team Four Stars abridged. There's you know the thing with Team Four Star though is that they kind of capture the spirit. Oh yeah, which is key. Like I that's why I liked earlier Yu Gi Oh abridged was they would literally abridge the context of an episode and then just insert jokes along the way but actually stick really close to the plot right and i i really appreciate that art form yeah there's like two styles of abridging right because there's that one and then there's like we're gonna just tell our own story with the footage we have and i feel like there are abridgers that do a really good job with that um what the hell was his name purple eye purple eyes he did a Code Geass for a bit, and then a couple of One Piece episodes, and then he stopped producing content, which was sad. But like his whole thing was like, I'm going to take this character and do the exact opposite. And that was, he was a good joke teller, so it was really funny. But it, he, it turned it into like its own thing. It was no longer Code Geass, but funny. It was his version of a show with mechs and a dumb characters. And, I, I, you know, it depends. It's kind of like what you're looking for, right? Like, Dragon Ball Z's Team Four Star one is is better just because it is like the essence of that show, but distilled down and then really funny. There was a really good Sailor Moon abridged, uh, 
you cannot find it anywhere because those guys are super litigious. Oh man! So it was like it was hard enough, but they got like a good thirty episodes out, and they were all entertaining. I miss that show. Yeah, that's that's too bad. It, like, actually, that was one of like kind of a topic I, I was interested in talking about. Um, is uh, who owns things? You know, like the the relationship from you know, of creator to art to like who actually owns the art legally. Uh, Taylor Swift, her masters were sold again to like a, a marketing company. And she didn't get a chance to bid on them. Uh, and so she's mad and she's like, I'm re-recording all my old albums. Fuck those masters. We're going to get new ones and I'm going to try and tank, you know, the what they're worth. Um, and it is weird, though, because, like, she wrote all these songs and they're like her art. But she doesn't own the final version of them, like the files. And, and another company does. And it's so... that That relationship is really weird because when you're starting out... The, the recording company basically foots the bill and then gambles on you. So, of course, what they get is the is the masters. And then they can put those in, you know, TVs and, and movies or whatever and make money off them and, and do whatever they want. But then it's like, yeah, but she wrote the songs. Like, she should own, own the songs. And it's like, she does, but she doesn't. And the person who owns them, she hates because he's an asshole in the music industry and uh, it's like if you want to if you want to build a bid on him, you have to sign an NDA where you don't say bad things about him anymore. And she's like, "Fuck that! I hate that guy." And the music industry sucks, but it is it's interesting as like someone not in it to just be like, "Man, this is really confusing and weird." And I kind of get some of it, but I also don't. It it's annoying because a lot of copyright law and ownership law comes from a place of like, "Hey, let's let's uh, go ahead and make rules for how this works." And they're usually written with a certain context in mind and then applied to every other context that has not been thought of yet. Right. And so everything gets so messy so bad. Um, I was just thinking about when uh, when Walt Disney made Oswald and then Universal kind of like kept the rights. He like spitefully designed Mickey Mouse and then got Mickey Mouse more popular. But also with all that Disney money, they changed copyright law. So that Disney will never lose the rights to Mickey Mouse. Sure. And it's like, Mickey Mouse would literally be public domain by now. Yeah, that's if, true. <laughs> if they didn't, like, ruin um, how IP works. And it's like, it's it's both good and bad for art, depending on where you stand. Yeah. From, from different angles, it's nice that if you, see, if you see Mickey Mouse, you know who made it. If you see Dracula, you don't know what that means. Anyone could make a Dracula. Right. So it's kind of, it's weird. I would rather it wasn't that way, but also, if you understand the law, you can work with it to your advantage, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can you can use the protections provided to your benefit, but it's all weird. It's going to be interesting if, if Taylor Swift, like, when she goes to re-record her albums, like, if she tries to be super faithful, or if she tries to kind of reimagine and re re-inspire them or whatever, and then make something kind of different. Um, because a lot of these songs, some of them are pretty old. She's been in the industry a while, so there's a lot of like nostalgia to like the first time you hear one of her breakup songs. And if movies are licensing music, they're probably going to want the original and not the new one. And I don't know how much control or say she has in that, because she doesn't own the masters. And and so like this company that's not even a music company made this investment and I have to imagine, like, what kind of conversations they're having on return on investment and stuff. And it's like, 
this is a person's like livelihood and you're just like no we can just own this and she doesn't have any say in it like it's so corporate and cold and then because eventually someone's going to want to make like a, a movies about her right in her life and they're not going to want the new versions they're going to want the ones that came out you know in 2012 when red came out and, and blah 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 and so she's going to do what she can to try and get these new ones in the cultural zeitgeist but i She's going to have an uphill battle, and it's like, duh, this company that probably didn't really talk to her is just like, yeah, we won. We, we bought your stuff, and we're making money off it. That's how it be. It is. I don't like how it be. Uh, it's weird to think of, like, Taylor Swift as an underdog, though, and she's a multi-millionaire, you know, musician who's consistently selling, you know, platinum records. But there is a certain, like, the, the morality of the of the music industry is just so so shit and just doesn't even care anymore it it's kind of just broken it's like again like some of the stuff was written in a time where things work different mm-hmm. but no one will like reassess how things should work yeah i kind of i mean i know like malcolm macklemore has a song about like when he was a pro a trying to sell his music to a, a record company and, and just like the the deal they tried to cut him was so bad and he's just like I would you know I think it's something like I'd rather fail than succeed at getting fucked because they wanted to loan him this much money which he'd have to pay back they wanted this percentage of his uh, concert tickets they wanted this percentage of his merch they were going to take the majority of his you know album sales to pay back the loan and it's sort of like you know, we'll help you get your name out, but that's basically it. We're taking a lot of, a lot of the profits from from your, your music, and there's definitely a touch and go there, right? Because getting your name out is really, really hard, and if you can have a huge company helping with you with it, like down the line, that can pay off. Or you have to, you know, tour like mad in in hopes of of making rent because you're getting zero money from Spotify, you're getting zero money from album sales, like. It's just such a weird, weird industry. Yeah. That's... Wait, I guess there's not like a conversation there. Like, this isn't a new thing, right? Like, man, music industry sure sucks, but I'm glad music's a thing. Yeah, I mean, it was actually, um, did you pay attention to the Spider-Man game? Uh, maybe a little bit, but probably not enough. So, did, did you hear about them replacing Peter Parker's face? No. They replaced his face. And it's just objectively a downgrade. And as far as the explanation they gave was that they had to remodel Peter's face so that it would better reflect the actor's face with like the the motion capture stuff, you know? Okay. But it doesn't look like the voice actor. It just looks more like Tom Holland. Oh. And it also looks worse and does not emote as much. Well, that sucks. And it's also weird because he looks younger, and in the context, he's been doing Spider-Man stuff for like eight years, and he's like <laughs> he's like mentoring Miles, and then like Spider-Man and Miles or Peter and Miles are hanging out, and Peter just straight up looks younger than Miles. Oh wow! And it's just it's not a good it's not a good look. Sure, but people are trying to figure out like, does this have anything to do with the movies and how complicated the movies are? Because there was a lot of like kicking and screaming to get Spider-Man as an exclusive for PlayStation on the Avengers game. And the Avengers game has nothing to do with the movies, 
but because Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man, they had like negotiating power mixed in there. Mm. Yeah, that's another fun one, right? The way movies work and who owns what. I don't know if this leads into, but the other thing is that I guess uh, YouTube is going to start putting ads on like smaller channel videos and not give them any profit for the ad revenue, which let's be real, is really Yay. not a lot. And that's interesting for a lot of reasons because like YouTube is huge. Everybody uses it. It's literally like just kind of become a, a public service, right? We can take videos and you can upload them. You can like keep things unlisted so you can just upload this 300 meg file and, and only share it with one person and just keep it there forever on the internet. And YouTube doesn't actually make money. Like it's one of those or a cultural zeitgeist thing, but they don't make the profits off of what they do because it's just there's just so much stuff. But they're owned by Google, who of course have like all the fucking money, and so it probably breaks even somewhere. And I guess my question is like, should YouTube even, you know, at this point, is it more of just a service? Like it's part of just life now because it's been around for so fucking long. I can't imagine like not having YouTube, but I also can't imagine there being so many ads like. Or I can imagine there being so many ads that I don't want to use it. I've heard the ads get really bad. I actually have um, YouTube Premium because I, I literally, I don't watch TV or anything. Like right, like right now, I think the only subscription I have is CBS because I forgot to cancel it, and Disney Plus, and I guess YouTube. Mm-hmm. And having videos play without ads makes YouTube such a great website. And like I'll sometimes I'm at work and it's like oh I have to bring up a video real quick and then two ads will play and I'm like I'm just trying to look up how to fix something like this isn't like a promotional thing or an entertainment video it's like a tutorial on how to open a hard drive you know yeah and it and two ads will play and I'm like what I, I like I forget that there were ads on YouTube because it's been a while and it's the sort of thing where if they I don't know what the cut is on these ads at some point whatever i'm paying into the premium might not be enough for them and i'm still gonna have to see ads even if i'm paying and it's like at that point i won't want to use youtube anymore right i guess i don't i'm not uh in in youtube prime or whatever i don't actually know what that costs even it can't be that expensive not really but also i think that includes the music service sure so that's that's my source of music also, but yeah, I well I, I use an ad blocker right, and so that so far still works on YouTube. I've a, I've a feeling though there's like an arms race between the two, and eventually I think YouTube is gonna win just because how big and how many resources they have. And it's not that I don't think YouTube should make money. It's just I don't know. I guess I'm not like mentally prepared to be like I might have to one day pay for YouTube so I don't have to watch ads because I fucking hate ads and I don't even think ads really work. Like I've never seen one on a YouTube video and been like, man, I can't wait to go buy that product or watch that movie or whatever. Like it's like when you see a billboard, like you see it, but I don't think a billboard's ever made me want to go do something. I suppose it's more of the subconscious. At least it, it puts it in the zeitgeist, right? It makes you think about that product for a little bit, even if you don't. So I got a casino around here with the worst billboard. I I hate it every time I see this billboard. What they have is there's three billboards that you drive past like on a certain curve on a freeway. And the idea is you'll read the billboards in sequence. So it'll say um voted the best and the loosest slots in town. But what I hate about them is you're curving to the left while you read these. 
like the the road is curving to the left and so you you have to read the billboard front to back but you can see them all three of them oh so i read them left to right and it'll it'll always be like uh in town voted the loosest slots or whatever <laughs> and it, and it's like it it messes with me every time but what amazes me is i still don't know the name of this casino oh nice they, these billboards have been there for years. Like, I've grown up seeing these three billboards. Sure. And the name of the casino is small in the corner, and I, I'm always so frustrated trying to read the text. I don't know if that's for Barona or Viejas. Like, it could be... There's, like, three different casinos around here. Isn't it fun when you see a commercial and you end it and you're just like, I don't know what they're advertising. Yeah. I feel like there are, like, shoe commercials, uh, sometimes sports team commercials, car commercials, tire commercials, like... A lot of them will approach their ads in a similar way and not always flash a really prominent logo. And I'm just like, I don't know what I just watched. I, what do they want me to buy? Yeah, that's why jingles are important. I, I got a car dealership here. Um, You know, it's Ford. A lot of Fords have this jingle where they'll go, Nobody beats area town Ford. And so I'm used to hearing my town, but I remember once I was out of town and I heard that jingle play, but it was like, nobody beats Los Angeles Ford. And I was like, that's not the song. <laughs> you got the name wrong. I like a catchy slogan. I know there's um a company in our area called, I think, Floor Crafters, and it, they're like, if you can walk on it, Floor Crafters sells it. And I was like, I, that's good. Unless, you think, unless you're trying to walk on dirt. I bet they don't sell dirt. But as far as carpet and, and tile and all that stuff, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a, a nice declarative, like, this is what we do, and it, it's got punch to it that I respect. Like, someone did a I good wanna, job with that slogan. I want to walk in and say, I, I need a lot of thin ice. <laughs> My mother won't stop talking about it, and I got to get some. That's good. No, it's That's not. Good. I'll, I'll like workshop it. it. Okay. Um, I So my windshield broke, right? Okay. Um, Like, a lot. So I'm looking up how to fix windshield. Who fix who fix windshield? And uh, Safe Light came up on Google results. Oh sure. And I clicked on the website and I saw the logo. And in my head, I could hear Safe Light repair, Safe Light replace. Yo, I remember the song as I'm trained to consume product. We have um, I don't know. I think is A1 Glass uh, local or is that everywhere? I'm not familiar with that. I wonder if that's a local one, but they, they had a really catchy slogan um, where they, they sing their phone number. And I don't know if I want to do it because I don't, I mean, no one listens to this show, but it just seems weird to like sing a phone number. But it is funny that like, it's really catchy. And then you immediately like, I always know what their fucking phone number is. <laughs> I've never had to call them ever. Actually, that's not true. I've had to call them once or twice at work if we need like some really weird specific glass because they can get it. Um. But it's like, I don't have to look up their number in the phone book. I just know it. So if that's a good slogan. That's a good jingle. Yeah. Uh, mission accomplished. What's uh? Okay, I want to guess then. Um, I have a hunch you won't remember, but what's PlayStation's slogan right now? It's not like we're in the game, is it? No. That was that was a slogan for a game thing. I don't know what PlayStation's slogan is. I. I think PlayStation used to have a couple, um, like, uh, live in your world, play in hours. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, th- I think last, for like the PS4, it was, um, 
I think it was play your way, which didn't make sense because they're like the least flexible game console right now. <laughs> right. Um, they also like to say power to the players, but I think that that reminds me of magazines. I feel like that one's been around longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the PlayStation Five, they're pushing play has no limits. That's kind of lame. It's it's also like really frustrating that I'm looking to buy a PlayStation Five and it says out of stock. Play has no limits. Yeah, like, yeah well, you I have limited gonna... stock. I was gonna make uh, that same comment. It's like it does I, have a limit. It's called it's so stupid inventory. Well, it's also, like, it, the limit is also one terabyte, and you have to buy the extra storage, because some of these games are very large. Yep. It's, like, <laughs> also, my PC might be stronger than the PS5. So, I think there's some graphical limitations that are going to become apparent in a couple years. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good slogan. It's not catchy. It doesn't make you want a PlayStation. And, worst case scenario, it frustrates and alienates you from the branding. Yeah. The live in your world play on ours is clever. I like that one a lot. It doesn't roll off the tongue, but it looks good at the end of a commercial. Yeah. Like having the guys say that to you is okay. I'm curious if I go to Xbox. I don't see big sloganeering. They just actually want to sell you the product, which is refreshing. Oh, they it's got always, a cool uh, merch store. I like this color. This is a there's a jewelry store, a local one, and their website their their website like they couldn't get their exact name, so they had to, like, spell it wrong and add, like, two L's. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, like, the ending the ending to all their commercials is, like, go to this store with two L's dot com. And it's like, man, you could have, like, did literally anything else than that. Like, someone fucked up. What? Y- yeah, why not? Why not get something just, like, go to shop dot this store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's workarounds. I mean, I had to do that with my with my Twitter page, right? Because Anonym was taken, so I went with Anonym Band. And I actually don't mind that because it rolls off the tongue pretty well. well. It also makes it really clear that it's music. Yeah, like it, it there, brands it. There's kind of a value to labeling it. Like if if uh if you had a website and it was dot band, you'd go, oh, I'm gonna go there and I will expect music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a kind of a weird benefit to that. I think it was two years ago, too, like, our, our main radio station conglomerate um, changed their slogan around because it used to be, like, very radio-focused, and now they're trying to be a little more multimedia in terms of, like, what they offer local companies. And so they, they used the same jingle except the last, like, couple bars of it, and it, I'm still not over it. Like, I expect it to be a certain way, and it's not. <laughs> and I have not gotten you because it's like, oh, I spent, like, 20 years listening to this jingle this way and now it's it's different it's like i feel like you could have done a, a slightly better job at this because it's still it's jarring it's weird change is scary should should youtube make money like i don't know if that's a topic at hand or not but I, it is a question to me that i don't really have like a specific answer to well here's my question how much does it cost to operate youtube probably a fucking lot of money I think it should make enough money to be self-sustaining. And based on market demand, it should make enough money to grow. How can YouTube grow at this point, though? Uh, well, I don't know. They they had str- they, bleh, they had trouble growing, and that's why they got bought by Google. I thought they, the problem was the reverse, is they had grown so much they couldn't fucking pay to host all the videos, and so they sold it to Google no, who could. No, I mean, no, grow 
as a business. Oh. If if they're not sustaining themselves, they can't grow. I mean, like, hire more people, you know, engineers to make things run better, and also, like, people that reach out and figure out what peop- what the market wants, mm-hmm. what community, you know, what, what are features that YouTube users would want, and then provide those features. Right, right, You know right. what I mean? In, instead of these other things where they just ruin it and make it worse for everyone. I will say their algorithm is pretty nifty. Um, just like it, it manages to uh, to recommend stuff to me that I usually wouldn't click on, and then I do, and I'm like, oh, this was a pretty good time. Oh, really? I so I want to talk about the music app. Um, Cripes, that's a terrible music app. Oh, is it? Now Spotify is infinitely worse, and if the last podcast network wasn't exclusive to Spotify, I would delete the app immediately. Right. But. YouTube's algorithm I find very bad. <laughs> now, it, it, granted, we're dealing, we're talking about me. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a, a playlist mode where it's like, here's some music you'll like. And I'm curious, let's try that. And it played, like, a cool punk song I like. And, oh, that's cool. And then it played, like, a random song from a Lord of the Rings soundtrack that didn't, like, flow right off of the punk tune. And it's also, like, 11 minutes long. It's like, I don't want to listen to this right now. So, you know, next... And it's like, here's a song from Moana. And it's like, I hate everything about this movie. Next. Oh, man. And I like here, Moana's here's, soundtrack. Here's a, a My Little Pony Fallout 76 remix dubstep track. And like, I don't want this at all. It, it recommends like the weirdest stuff. And I, I've been trying to teach it what music I like. But it just sort of remembers the last two things I've listened to and forgets everything else. Because huh. now it won't listen. It's not recommending punk music anymore. It's only recommending uh, postmodern jukebox. And it's like, if I wanted to listen to this one group, I would just go to their channel and listen to it. Sure. This isn't an algorithm. I guess mine at work, especially because I started, I've listened to a little bit of K-pop because uh, KDA was releasing stuff and I was catching up on that. And it, every once in a while, it would spit something kind of like adjacent out and I'd click on it and then I'd be like, that was all right. And I don't know, like, it, it gives me such weird stuff where it'll be like, here's some really, really heavy shit. Here's some weird stuff. Here's, like, really pop stuff. And so today it, it spat out um, a guy called Elenium. And uh, it was like, hey, here's here's an album. It's his fourth mix on it, so it's maybe a work in progress or whatever. And I listened to the whole thing, and I was like, man, that was, like, really pretty good. It was, like, you know, electronic, synth pop, like, stuff I don't normally listen to. And I was like, man, YouTube did a good job here. I've never heard of this guy, but he's pretty underground. So I looked him up right now, and I'm scrolling down, and like, oh no, one of his views videos literally has 22 million views. So maybe that was a pretty safe recommendation. And I just caught like the full album that not as many people have listened to. So I don't know. I'm usually pretty fine with whatever YouTube spits out. And then there are times though where it will hiccup and be like, hey, you watched one of these, you want to watch a million of them? And it's like, I don't though. Like I just, I just am good with the one. Exactly. I'm actually kind of afraid to put in some things because I don't. If I start listening to Weird Al on YouTube, I'll never get serious music again. Right. You know what I mean. Everyone's so I don't know the um that song that used that that OK Boomer song. I feel like once a week it recommends her channel to me. <laughs> oh yeah, I there's like three of her songs I love. But there's other ones I don't want to ever hear again. It's funny though, just because like I don't, I don't know why it thinks I want to hear those again. 
Have you seen this channel? Um, oh god, it's like super Japanese sounding. But basically, it's a video it looks like every day for No Nut November where this like squirrel girl tells you not to like masturbate and don't choke on your nuts and it's funny because she's a squirrel. No, I haven't. What's it called? Here, I'm gonna shoot this to you real quick and then I'm gonna butcher the name. Um, Ayunda Rizzo Chu and then Hololive-ID. So if you type in like NNN and then a day, you're gonna find that a lot of the videos are really short, <laughs> like a handful of oh, seconds. Oh, cute. It's funny that like, for one thing, they're getting a decent amount of views, right? This has a hundred thousand views. Wow. It's um, not playing for whatever reason. Um, it's like someone put some work into this. I don't think a lot. Well, I mean, it's some. a sixteen-second video. I just, I wonder who's behind this, right? Like, it's another one of those things where, who is this person and why? Uh, well, she's a streamer, so I think she has a following. I'm a chaotic squirrel VTuber. Yeah. 200,000 um, subscribers, so. Jeepers. I don't know. It, the, the things that people make and do, like, will never cease to probably amaze and baffle me. And sometimes I feel like I sound like an old guy when I find shit like that. Um, I don't know. Okay, I found a I found a list of some of the worst ad slogans ever. Oh, fun! So here's one for the Sega Genesis, and there's a picture of a joystick, and it says, "The more you play with it, the harder it gets." Oh, I don't remember that one. Um, here's one for Sunglass Shack. Sitting on faces since 2001. <laughs> uh, here's a, a... Oh, wow. So this is a very large vacuum. I think it's for snow. There's a guy, like, riding in it. Huh. So it's kind of like a riding mower, but a vacuum. Uh, it comes from Electrolux. Nothing sucks like Electrolux. I've bought an Electrolux products before for work. I don't remember which ones, but I know that's, like, a place I've gone. Oh, no. Here's a billboard for Uzbekistan Airways. <laughs> I want to. You, you can read this one. Oh boy. Oh, it just says good luck. You want to see that when you're boarding the plane, right? That's a great, great sign of uh, of confidence when you're boarding a plane. Ooh, Maria Tash, something for every hole. Or it's supposed to be for earrings. Or other holes, probably. Every every hole is a lot of holes. You know what's really effective advertising is every time I hear like a Pepsi or a Coke commercial and they crack the can and it yeah. makes that noise and I just like instantly want a soda. Yeah, it's a nice sound, isn't it? It's great. And like most candy commercials also just make me want candy. And I, I don't know if it's just because I really like those two things and when I'm reminded of, of that they exist, I'm just like, oh, you know what would be cool is <laughs> so if I had like a Kit Kat right now. Um, ooh, what's this one say? We can't have fresh air. At least we can have fresh muffins. That's a fucking weird thing to put on a sign. It's for 7-Eleven, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess, like, it is a consolation prize, I guess, but it, it, it makes me think more of, like, how we're all doomed instead of actually wanting muffins. Oh, yeah, here's one for McDonald's. Painfully thick recruiting now. Oh, for their shakes. That was, a, that was another one. Like, every time I see an ad for, like, a Wendy's or, a, a you know, one of those concrete mixers or whatever they're called, uh, Blizzard's, 
I really want one of those. And it's like, is it because I like ice cream or is it because I want that specific kind? Because like I could go to the gas station and basically get something similar. And the only reason I don't is because they're like 600 fucking calories. Oh, my, like maybe more than that. They're so bad for you. Yeah. I haven't had ice cream in a while. I had a bit of ice cream today. My mom made like caramel chocolate chip brownies. And it's like, you know what these are good with is ice cream and whipped cream. Um, my, for my dad's birthday, he wanted, uh, an ice cream cake and it was very nice, but it was also kind of weird. Like it made me realize I haven't had ice cream in over a year. Jesus, really? Yeah. Because like I bit into it and I made my teeth cold because I forgot how to eat ice cream. It like, it was literally like <laughs> I, had to, I had to like stop and reflect on like, what has happened? What did I just do? What is this? Ice cream cake's weird, too, because it's so cold. Like, you have to, like, heat up a knife to cut it. I don't really or like ice cream cake. You? Like, I do and I don't. Yeah. It's a... I, it's kind of a thing that I enjoy once in a while, but also I I would never crave it. Yeah. And I'm surprised to hear someone else go, I want an ice cream cake. For the last, like, three years at work, one of the companies that our accounting department works with would send them, like, a really big peppermint ice cream cake. So it had, like, a layer of chocolate, a thin layer of, like, peppermint candy and then vanilla ice cream and then, like, whipped cream and a bit of chocolate syrup on top. And uh, they'd, they'd pass it out to the department and then they'd go put it in the lunchroom and send out an email. But usually I'm friends with enough people in that department that they would let me know first so I could go get a piece. And, like, that was the only time I'd ever have ice cream cake because I'd have, like, this one tiny piece at work. And it was always like, I like this, but I'm glad I only eat this once a year. The peppermint made it nice, though, like, it is yeah, festive and, and whatnot. Um, it also just made it seem a bit more different. It wasn't just, like, ice cream and a thin layer of cake. It was like, no, we got we got uh, new flavors in here. Fuck yeah. I love peppermint. I do, too. I, it's funny with the masks, right? So, at work, like, the, the front office has, like, a dish of, of, of little peppermints, and they always keep it full. And since I have to wear a mask a lot, and after lunch, I don't want to smell what I ate, like, I always go down and go grab a mint. And it's like, this, this is fine. This is a good way to end Dude, my lunch break. I had the worst experience of the mask ever. Did it fog up your glasses? Cause... No. It, it, I walked by the store. Their sewer was backing up. Oh, no. And so you get that like really bad smell. But it got trapped in the mask. And so I had to like rip it off and like wave it out so it would smell less. But it actually like absorbed into the fabric. Oh, wow. So I literally, I, I was like, I have to wash this. And after five minutes of dealing with it, I, I threw it away and I bought a new mask. <laughs> like, it was like, I this is this is tainted. This isn't worth the effort to purify it. Jeez. Do you think those people that are, like, really into dirty underwear are, like, wearing dirty masks and, like, are horny all day? I think that depends on what the appeal of the underwear is. Because if they just enjoy bad smells, then maybe. But if it's more about, like... Or uh, a subconscious um, enjoyment of something that's forbidden and everyone's wearing a mask that might take the fun away from it. The the eroticism seems to also be about like it's women's right. So like I'm so, I wonder if there are any like people online are like, hey, I'm a sexy girl and I'm taking masks and rubbing them all over and using them and making them dirty and I'm going to sell them. And if people would actually buy that, because my thought is yes, not maybe a lot of people, but I bet some people would. That, that's probably a thing. I feel like we should have started the podcast with this instead of all the bullshit about YouTube and Taylor Swift. I'm sorry, everybody. Did you answer your own question? 
what was my own question? Oh, do you think YouTube should make money? I I feel like it's a big enough service, enough people use it, they kind of deserve to make some profit off it. But I'm also kind of like, well, the post office is also that and doesn't make money. Like, it's a service. And should YouTube kind of be a service? But then it's like, well, it's not government funded. Like, it's it's not, you can't just like ask a private company to be like, hey, you, you need to just provide this for free to everybody because you did it once. So I, I don't really know where I sit with that because like, Technically, yes, but also I don't want to pay them money, and I want to block all their ads. So I'm part of the problem. Well, okay. It's my fault, everybody. Ad blocker still works, though. Highly recommend it. I think one thing I hate about YouTube is um, the way that they play favoritism with certain videos. Like, there's mm-hmm. just there's arbitrary decisions of what makes a video worth recommending. And so that turns into these trends where you see thumbnails all start to look exactly the same. Yeah. And they're all, like, the same length video. And so you see, like, there's a lot of content out there where this is three minutes worth of stuff, but they're finding ways to stretch it out into ten minutes. And it just, like, forces the quality down. I feel like some of the channels I even like and will watch every once in a while have that problem, like, Saber Spark, who does cartoon stuff, like all of his videos are at least five minutes too long. I feel like most of uh, Jim Sterling's Jimquisition videos are like six or seven minutes too long. And uh, I don't know if part of that is because they need an editor or if it's just like, well, we need to hit 20 minutes or the algorithm is not going to mess with the video at all. There's older Defunct Land videos where he used to have a hard cutoff where it would have to be 10 minutes and no more. And so he would do a couple of these where there's a part one and a part two he would upload separate. Mm-hmm. And at some point, he, he got enough feedback where it's like, oh, we, we experimented by putting out a longer video and you guys all really liked it. So we're just going to throw that rule out. And now he's putting up like hour and a half long documentaries where they like dig into the topic and it's uh, worth sitting down and watching the full thing. And it's like, okay, I'm glad that he's doing this for the purpose of it being watchable. Sure. Instead of keeping this arbitrary 10-minute rule. Because um, I, I think with him, he has a certain amount of following that comes from like Patreon and outside sources, and then they go to YouTube to watch. He's yeah. not relying on the YouTube recommendations as much. And it's like, okay, good. They, he figured it out. This will be good content. I like some of those videos too, right? Like They're really great to put on when I'm painting miniatures. Because you can just like listen to it, and it's kind of like a podcast. And then if you need to look up and watch it, like you can do that too. Like, the, I, I, there's definitely a place for that, but then there, there's just some videos where it's like, this doesn't need to be 20 fucking minutes, dude. What was... Uh... <laughs> so, we were talking about another YouTube channel. Did you want to bring that one up? Um, What one were we talking about? Uh, on Tamers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That fucking art channel you, you like and you showed me. Goddamn. <laughs> so... So for those who, who are maybe new, Tamers12345 is a, a exceedingly strange man who's like the world's biggest Sonic Underground fan, and he makes videos that Cameron really likes and then sends me and I watch, and I don't know why half the time, because they're weird and, and involve a lot of like fan art and his OC, and they are like, like the YouTube equivalent of Lady Gaga wearing a meat dress. They're, they're just... Weird pieces of, I want to call them art, that say maybe more about him than anything else, and that's why they're fun. 
And he put one out about assigning Linkin Park songs to all of the Sonic Underground characters, including, I believe, some of his OCs, based on the quality of the drawings. And I, I so it's so what's hard. funny. What's what's funny is actually those are all characters from the show. Oh, they are. He does not have a lot of OCs. Um, he does, however, pull from other shows. Interesting. I thought the green one was his. Uh, no. How great is that? That is it, fantastic. <laughs> no, I think his only original character is like very plain neighbors like Todd and Sam that are just humans. And then like when he inserts himself and everyone will like drop the episode and go, hey, everyone, look, it's Tamers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. He's amazing. And you go, oh, come on, guys. You know, I- I'm just being me. Mm-hmm. So what I liked about this video, though, is like, you, it, there's like so much weird craft to it because he's assigning these songs to, to these characters, and I, and I feel like based on the tone of the show, like you could grab mostly any Linkin Park song and actually make it fit, right? Because there, there's a lot of angst. This is an edgier show for kids back in whenever it came out, two thousands. Um, but he's trying to like explain his reasoning, and there are typos every once in a while, and I swear to God, they're on purpose. Like I have a feeling he's like constructed it that way. So you'd be like, man, who is this idiot? Like, what the fuck is this child? And he's not even a child. And, like, the way he, he separates the sections, instead of, like, doing lines or anything in, in uh, Adobe Premiere, because I'm guessing he's using Adobe or some kind of decent program to put these together. There's a lot to them sometimes. He's using, like, just, like, hyphens. Like, just ta- taps it, like, 20 times. They're not always even. Like, they're not perfectly straight lines. You know, one will be longer than the other. And it's just like, these weird little things that remind me of like old, old internet when people didn't know what the fuck they were doing and making stuff. Um, I, it was like weirdly delightful, but also I was bored four minutes in and I love Linkin Park. So it's like I should be able to listen to snippets of Linkin Park songs for four minutes and not be bored. And I think that's part of the art too. Then it fucking hard cuts off at the end. Like, it doesn't, like, finish a point. It doesn't end yes. on, like, a part of the song. Like, it's just, like, in the middle of a bar. <laughs> it, it just it kind ends. Of just- yeah, it, it, like, lingers a little longer than it has to, and then cuts very sharply. Yeah. That, that cracked up when he did that. That was so funny. Two songs for one more light, though. That was interesting. I did not expect any from that album. And I, I also kind of wonder, like you said, you could probably pick any Linkin Park songs at random and apply these, but I wonder how much thought he actually put into these, because... Like, some of them, I feel like they all fit really well. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, is he actually a really big Linkin Park fan? And he has his own, like, further meta jokes? Like, is there is there other Linkin Park fans that will watch this video and laugh at something I'm not aware of? Because, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't, I don't think he had any, like, really deep cuts as far as the songs went. Um, I think... Most of them were radio singles, with the exception of, like, Battle Symphony, I don't think was on the radio. But it could have been. Uh, just not on my local station. But, like, like Faint, I'm pretty sure, was a radio signal. Paper Cut, I believe, was on there. Definitely was. Like, So I, I don't know about that, right? Like, I'd have to almost, like, listen to the songs in their entirety and, like, judge the lyrics or whatever, because it's been a bit since I've heard a few of them. I, I was just delighted by the concept, right? Because it's, it's such a weird deviant-art concept. It really is. I, I sent that to people and no one watched or responded. Like, they all, like, I think saw the thumbnail and just were like, nope, we're ignoring the shit out of this today. 
Which is, is also, it's, it's almost part of the charm, too, is that this is really unwatchable garbage. <laughs> yeah. I can't um, believe you sat through, like, his fucking movies. Oh, I know. He put up, actually, I'm behind. Um, I mean, oh, wow. I'm behind more than I thought. He did the Halloween special. Um, he did a, a second episode of Zatch Bell. He wow. did a an episode about going to the bakery. And it looks like a Christmas episode already. Have we have we done a Tamers watch along? I I want to feel like I've subjected you to this, but I also don't know for sure. I feel like I I, I kind of feel it in the same thing, right? Like I think we have, but I don't remember actually doing it. I know we've talked about him a handful of times on the show, but if we wanted to next week, we could we could do the the Christmas one, or maybe wait okay. till it's December. You want to, uh, what is, you know what, next week is going to be Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Let's, uh, we'll take a week off. Okay. Um, and when we come back, we'll all enjoy <laughs> bringing the, the, the Christmas season the right way. I, I'm sorry, I just saw another video he put up where he used a Ouija board to contact Ben Hurst, who is one of the writers on Sonic Underground, who's still alive. <laughs> like, that's fucking really funny. Like, that's good. And then, and then, then the, there's probably the video, which I can't imagine is. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like he did a voice acting demo reel, where it's just him like repeating Joker lines in his crappy voice. But then he did a follow up <laughs> where it's like demo reel two, and it's a different Joker. I know um, it's funny because like if he's like trying to appear on camera, he's in a, a like a cardboard box, right? Like a robot suit made out of cardboard. There are elements of him that remind me of Stuart the Soccer. I'm just like, the fact that this exists is more entertaining than the actual thing. Because I'm thinking about who made it, and I'm just like, what What does he do during the day? What is his What is his day job? You know, what? what is his social I, life? I know. It's like, I, I also want to know his friends. Like, does he have normal friends, and they all play Call of Duty together? And also, he does this. Or does he not have any friends? Because also, like, <laughs> some of these jokes are really rough. Yeah. And it's like, I want to know, does he have a circle of friends where he's like, hey guys, I just put up a new video. Um, Thanks for recommending a Yu-Gi-Oh! parody. I did the Yu-Gi-Oh! parody one. I don't know. And it's like, are they bad jokes? Because he wrote them purposefully to be bad. Because like, that's what he's trying to do, is be like that kind of YouTube channel. Oh, it, it's totally self-aware. Um, this isn't like Chris Chan where it's sad. Mm-hmm. Like he he's he finds new ways to amaze you. I'm watching this one here where it's just it's a tutorial on how to make Sonic Underground characters in Sims 4, and it's mostly just he makes a really buff guy and makes him blonde and says, "Well, that's Bartleby, that's Sonic's gay lover," <laughs> and they love each other. And then it's like you have to download a mod to make the skin blue, but that just make him blue and that's Sonic. Now you're done. I loved his 9-11 one. I don't remember it being this long. And it's sort of like... Yeah, 9-11 was sad, but they also cancelled Sonic Underground. <laughs> Which... I, I love the, the dedication to specifically the worst Sonic cartoon ever made. <laughs> yeah! Because he also like gets angry at the other Sonic stuff and Sonic <laughs> video games. Like He only likes Sonic Underground, and that's part of the bit. Yep. Um, but what I, what I like was... Like, there was a Christmas video he put up last year, 
Uh, do you remember his his like unboxing his Christmas presents? Yeah, I think yeah, I did see that one. Where it's like he got three presents, and they were all Sonic Underground puzzles, but his mom got him two of the Knuckles puzzle. So now he just has two Knuckles puzzles, and so he's like upset with his mom. And it's like, he actually like took the effort to have these puzzles like printed. He went to a custom print-your-own-puzzle <laughs> like Jigsaw Puzzle website and ordered Sonic Underground bootleg puzzles for the purpose of this video. And it's it's like the meta situation of making this video work was enough to make me laugh yeah i mean i like the idea of like someone going through a lot of trouble for a stupid thing right um i know like me and my brother like to do bad puns and sometimes it's like the the biggest setup where you're like talking for two minutes to make a pun and that's why it's funny it's not because the joke is funny it's because the setup is so long and convoluted sonic underground characters as cars I love how the first frame it opens with is Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Mindy's dad. Like, I hate this. I'm 19 seconds in, and I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> and and then at the same time, I'm, like, so curious to be like, what is he going to do? And is there going to be anything more to the concept than this? Or is it just going to be pictures of cars and then a Sonic character? Yeah, some of these, you, you watch the whole thing expecting, like, a joke or a punchline. But actually, the joke is just the fact that this is what it is. Yeah. Especially the ones that are, like, painfully obvious. Like, there's one where it's, like, the um, Power Rangers opening. But they just, like, Photoshop the characters in. And it's, like, a full thing. And there's no, like, gag to it. It just, this is so stupid and random. Yeah, I, 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 it's fun. I don't. I'm so confused, but so enchanted at the same time. I like his art videos where, like, he'll he'll show the process of drawing a character in Microsoft Paint, but it'll be something topical. So it's like when Stan Lee died, he he drew like a Stan Lee and Sonic Underground tribute picture, <laughs> and it's like borderline offensive, right? Well, no, it it is. I I think it's fair to call this offensive stuff. Like, it's very like edgy humor. That's, um, I think very very off putting to most people. Yeah, for different reasons. There's like recurring, like racism and misogyny jokes for the sake of racism and misogyny. Like that's that's part of the bit is that like this is an eleven year old that thinks he's cool, right? And he thinks that's what you do if you want to be cool. It's just, it's so weird. And I feel like it's not like the first time. I mean, it's like Stuart the Sock was the same way, right? Like, that dude had some pretty fucking offensive jokes that were like, weren't even funny. But it's like, yeah, what the delivery is, it's like a dirty sock puppet. It's like, it's not even a clean sock puppet. It's filthy and like, with googly eyes and he's talking. And it's like, the whole thing is just. I mean, the comparison to Lady Gaga's meat dresses, I feel like fairly apt. Yeah, I I think that's a very fair way to put that. I I can't believe how many of these he's been doing, but also he's been doing it for so long. <laughs> I'm trying to go back to his first video, and we're eight years in the past now. Nine. Oh, damn. Ten years. <laughs> Which I was also like, how fucking old is YouTube, right? Like, I remember going to YouTube when I was in high school and watching uh, Inuyasha subs because... I'm sorry, but t- ten years of this... <laughs> That's amazing. 
That dedication is really weird. Like, you'd think he would stop at a certain point because he would get bored. And that, well, exactly. that, that whole thing, though, was sort of like, maybe he is actually legitimately fucking unhinged. It, and and really, like, some of this really older stuff, um, it feels like DeviantArt fan art that's a little more sincere. But also, he's kind of making fun of how silly it is. But it's like, it feels like someone could have actually made this seriously also. Yeah. But at some point, it's like he's aware of the joke and he solidifies it into what it is. So it's very fascinating. Bizarre. Would you actually want, like, an answer to any of these questions on who he is? No, it's fun to think about. Um, I I never want a face reveal. I don't want to know that these were all actually made ten years ago, and it's just a bot posting them, and he's dead now. Like, I, I don't even care. It's fun to think about. Holy shit, he, he's got a TV Tropes page. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, somewhat long. Like, not, like, really long, but there's more than ten entries. Well, what I really like about this is just the fact that, it, like, he, he's been able to apply a canon. Um, like, three years ago, he started dropping hints to the movie that dropped last year. Really? Where, yeah, he was, like, he was ending his shorts with little cutaway gags to other characters that started to weave together the same way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe works. Where, like, there'll be an episode about Sonic and Bartleby going to buy pumpkins for Halloween, but then at the end it shows uh, President Obama and President Bush interrogating Sportacus and asking him if he knows where Robbie Rotten is because Robbie Rotten might know the secret to the plan and Sportacus is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Obama's like, well, we have ways of making you talk. And it fades to black. And then it's like, that that was actually a plot point that came to fruition in the movie. Oh, wow. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of this. And it's weird that, I don't know if he was just throwing random little cutaways as a joke and decided to put them together. Or if he actually had this, like, plotted out in his head. Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, someone like actually went through his show because of uh, there's enough canon to it and, and made a TV tropes page. And like, of course, I'm because I'm googling him and a, a lot of the stuff on here, I'm pretty sure he made like his entries into different uh, wikis and stuff like that. Is like who Tamers on two three four five is. It's all kind of like the same copy paste stuff that I'm pretty sure he wrote, which is in itself is weird because he decided to go do that. Or is it part of the self awareness joke? Right. Or again, hypothetically, let's say he has a circle of friends and they're all in on this and they all help. Like maybe one of his friends said, oh, Tamers needs a a wiki page. Oh, you know what? We could put this on every website. And then some guy just like went through and wrote this up and copy pasted it everywhere for him. That's funny, dude. He has uh, 30 patrons on Patreon. Well, good for him. I honestly... It's weird, he but he, he's more, he, he brings me more entertainment than things on actual TV. I mean, we're um, getting a pretty long conversation out of him. Well, yeah, I, I actually, I just watched a review of season two of The Boys. Did you watch The Boys yet? No, a lot of people keep telling me to. Well, I, I won't say too much, but it was funny because they both, both the guys liked it, but also they kept talking about weird, like, shortcomings of the show, and... They both really liked it, but I felt I got the sense that they kept wanting to complain about things. 
Sure. Even though they kept saying that they liked it. And I'm watching like Tamers and it's like, well, I'm, I'm swishing my, my wine in my glass slowly going like another masterpiece. <laughs> like I, I can't offer feedback because it's performance art and it's yeah. supposed to be broken. That's that's the word I was looking. I was actually looking for that word when I was writing earlier today. <laughs> it totally is, though. Oh wow, I lost track of time. Yeah, it's um, been an hour. I I feel like I, I brought in topics and they were all bad. I'm sorry. Oh, it was better than last week's show. Want want. I don't know because like these were things that I had read about over the course of the week, and I was like, oh, that would be fun to talk about. And if we don't talk about it, we can move on to the next thing, which we did. Oh, you know what? I'm kind of bummed out about uh, not having a Black Friday this year. I guess. Um, would you, well, no, we, me and my friends all go out on Black Friday and we go to IHOP. And um, we, we spend the day together like singing Christmas songs and just driving around. Oh, that, that sounds like a fun little tradition. Yeah, it's not going to work out at all. No. Um, I, what are you doing Friday? Maybe we'll do a show next week after all. Um, I don't think we're doing anything because... With the with COVID going on, like not, we basically not a lot canceled. to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really excited for next weekend because I'm probably gonna take Monday off and I'm gonna have a five day weekend with zero fucking complications. Oh, that sounds like a good way to relax. My goal is to write like two thousand words a day every day in that span because I feel like I'm working on a short story that's definitely a novella now. Like it, I please God, I hope it doesn't get longer than that. And I'm like, well, I should really take this seriously. When I write seriously, I do a thousand words a day, and I have not been doing that. I've had a lot of days where I only like 500 or 600. I've had a couple where I just didn't do any at all because I wasn't in the mood. And so now I'm kind of beating myself up for being like a shitty writer. And it's like, well, why can't I do this? This is supposed to be the thing I like. And so it's, I don't know why it's eating at me because it normally wouldn't, but it is for whatever reason. And so it's like, okay, if I have some time off, I can actually like play catch up, and 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 then I'll be where I'm supposed to be for this length of writing time. And will it be fun? Probably not. I hope it is, but, you know, you force yourself to do 2,000 words a day. It usually isn't. Yeah, it sounds like a good weekend, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it'll be nice. I'm hoping to watch some movies and uh, TV shows. I, I really want to start watching Lower Decks, because I finished Owl House. I think I talked about that last week. Oh, yeah. I, I gotta put that on my queue. Anyways, we're at a hour six. Do we want to do a glad space and wrap up? Yeah, let's do that. Did you have one? Yeah, I, I had a a few options I thought about picking, but you know what? I I've, I want to pick VR Chat. I I really been enjoying playing VR Chat with you and Joe, even though there's always some little problem, like last time, where I spent a half an hour trying to figure out why the fuck my headset wouldn't connect properly, and I had to like download beta drivers so it could tell me, because, oh, you know, yeah. But it was when we got in, it was fun. It was weird, like normal. We played what the Price is Right or something. Oh, no, Wheel of Fortune. We we played Wheel of Fortune. Um. <laughs> I feel was, really bad that I didn't get the thing, and then you spelled the word wrong, so that didn't help. That was the worst game of Wheel of Fortune ever. It was funny, though. I love, like, like one of the prizes was a lawnmower, and like, you're setting up, and Joseph's like, oh, I wonder if I can drive this. And he just, like, sits on it, and then it just flies, like, flips <laughs> over the map and off the map. We had to, like, respawn, because he, he was falling in a void. Well, also... <laughs> Like, at one point, you won a vacation to Africa, and I accidentally opened a portal to Africa and got sucked into it. Yup. Like, this is the weirdest episode of Wheel of Fortune. It was great. Like, it, we went fishing for a bit, and there was, like, very little mechanics, but it was just peaceful and something to do. And we are just kind of, like, sitting around with fishing poles and be like, yep, this works, and talking about, like, how we would make a better fishing game in VR. It was a good time. I, I really enjoy it, and it's it's... 
I don't really know Renoki very well, but he seems cool, so it's kind of fun hanging out with him. Hi, Renoki. He listens to the show, and he loves you. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why, that's why I introduced you. I said, look, it's Chad. It's the guy from the show. And he's like, yeah, I know. And, I you. <laughs> and you made out for half an hour. I remember that. Oh, I, I guess I don't remember that part. But yeah, so I, I've been enjoying I've been enjoying this weird game experience. It reminds me of um, Space Station 13 and that it's weird and bizarre and stupid, but it's also a lot easier to play. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's much more intuitive to just like if you want to point at something, you hold out your finger and go uh uh. I'm I'm excited to continue to experience weird gameplay elements in VR and then also just kind of let you and Joe take me on the tour, right? Because I I do feel like I'm along for the ride. But that's kind of how I want to play this at the moment. Did I send you that video that Yu-Gi-Oh World? Yes, it was. I want to find that. It, I, I love that they, he put like a card in the thing, and a monster would actually show up. Mm-hmm. And he, he just kept playing Pot of Greed over and over again. Yeah, I showed that to Joe, and he fucking cracked up. <laughs> I love the weird screenshots you take and send to me. Just. Like oh, photography's one... fun. I I actually um, that's my maybe my favorite part right now is just setting up like different uh scenes to capture. I I'm love browsing the... my folder now. Yeah, I, I have a lot of silly things. I've definitely like I've shared that one of us doing the battle poses after that that dungeon crawler, and every time I share it with someone. They're just so fucking flabbergasted because they don't know what they're looking at or why. <laughs> and it's so great. And I'm like, it's VR chat. And they're like, that explains half of this. <laughs> why is that model of Young Link so good? <laughs> and who is the big titted wolf lady? <laughs> and it's like, well, that's my brother and me. I'm not going to tell you which one's which, but if you know me, you can, you, you, you know, you know. <laughs> I like, um, did you ever see Tron Legacy? Uh, I believe so. Um, so you remember, like, you remember Flynn's, like, hideout in the wilderness? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I found someone recreated that. Nice. And what's cool is that when you spawn into it, like, you stand on this little elevator in a dark chamber, and it raises you up. So you, like, come up into it, and you see the, like, the whole layout. So when I logged on to play with Joe the other night, and I went there, and I'm standing out on the, the balcony, staring at the city, like, really somber, with my arms crossed behind my back, with that, that old man avatar I use. I love that avatar. It's I know. <laughs> and, and, like, the, the moody music is playing from the movie. And so it was just, it was really funny, because, like, I go there, and I waited for Joe to log on, and he, he found that I was someplace, so he went there, he didn't know what it was, and he just, like, raises up into, basically, that scene from the movie. Mm-hmm. Right, and I'm just standing there, and he and he's kind of laughing, and he walks up behind me, and I really seriously like slowly turn my head back to look over my shoulder. I'm like, I knew you'd come, and, <laughs> and he couldn't stop laughing because it was just all so stupid and yeah. perfect. I can't wait to get really good at the vocal stuff because I want to bring that into VR chat, especially in like the 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 rooms with lots of strangers. Yeah, see, that's the next thing I want to get you over your your deal with social circles yeah i have a we, lot of deals apparently we gotta get you um doing improv like uh, that literally that dance thing when like everyone started dancing for real and i respond and i like walked up there and i was just like wow i have a lot of weird hang-ups because this is dumb and there's literally zero stakes but i went and stood off to the side and watched like i was at a real wedding 
<laughs> Here's um Joe. <laughs> Joe found some Yu-Gi-Oh monster people, so he just swapped to his Yu-Gi thing and started telling them to do things. <laughs> <laughs> and then they wouldn't do anything, so he just started acting sad. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I got a screenshot. There he is, moping. I love, I love the uh, the screenshots that you you end up sending me, either with, with me involved or not, just because it's always so fucking weird. It's great. Um, not not to put a, a speed on this, but uh, I should probably go throw some laundry in before I forget, and then I don't know what to do with the rest of the night. But uh, you, you glad about anything, Cameron? Yeah, we we went to the zoo and I saw a giraffe. Okay, uh, let's see. Open up, please. Come on, Facebook. That is a. It only says giraffe on it. That looks like the world's saddest zoo. It's amazing. We'll show you next time. Joe Joe loved it there. Is that just a bunch of animals standing on top of their each other? Yeah. They look like little elephants. Or bison, maybe? Yeah, I, I guess I want to go here. I feel like <laughs> someone should do this, um, but with Pokemon and it being like a, like a Pokemon avatar farm. Um. Oh, you know, I want to show you Kanto also. Yeah, that, that would be fun. Yeah, we got stuff to see, bleh, see Ooh, still. I wouldn't mind going back to the Smash Brothers place and trying to get a Mewtwo avatar, assuming he's, like, moderately tall. Oh, I don't know if he has Mewtwo there. Really? I feel like he now, would have Mewtwo. I, there was, like, a whole Mewtwo world with different Mewtwo recolors and stuff. Oh. I, I think there's options. You might be able to find a Mewtwo. I'm just, like, not sure if I should keep my main... The one it is, or if I should try to find something a little less embarrassing. Oh, you know, it's weird. I I kind of want to have, like, a main avatar also. Yeah. But I find myself rotating a lot. Um, I think my favorite right now is the spider. I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, okay. I, I also, like, I like the Kmart employee. I, I like love the, the Kmart employee. The Kmart employee is actually a really nice avatar, because it's the perfect size, and it, like, is modeled correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it has a mask on. Yeah. I like that it has the working pen so I can draw whenever I want. Oh, that's neat. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, it's really, it's a cool avatar. I love Kmart. Uh, but yeah, I have a glad space. I, do you remember me talking about a podcast with Michael Ian Black a long time ago? Mike and Tommy Eat Snacks? No, um, Obscure. No, no, I don't think so. So I, this was a glad space well over a year ago. Uh, are you familiar with the book Jude the Obscure? God, that's really familiar. It's one of those quote-unquote classics that you have to read in high school, maybe. Okay. Uh, his wife had a copy in their library, and he was having an argument with her about how, like, have you ever read this book? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. Is like, well, why keep it? Why not get rid of some of these books, and then you'll have room for new books? And she doesn't want to get rid of books because that's wrong. And it's one of those things they have, and is that you know what? If we're gonna keep the book, I may as well read it. Mm-hmm. And he had this idea to turn that into a show where he knows nothing about the book, and he's just gonna read it out of spite because his wife won't throw it away. <laughs> and so he he pretty much he does. It's not an audio book. It's like a lot of commentary from him. Okay. And it feels like you just go on a journey. And he also does like interviews with his friends and and colleagues and. He finds ways to tie topical events into the reading. Okay. And I got to say, it's one of my favorite shows ever. Now, sadly, you know, the book, of course, came to an end, so the the show ended. Mm-hmm. 
much to my surprise, a new episode pops up in my feed last week. And I'm like, well, what's this? And it says season two. And it's like, well, is he just going to read more from that author or something? And he's just he picked a completely different book that also neither of us have ever read called Frankenstein. We've never read Frankenstein? I've never read Frankenstein. Frankenstein's a fun read. And well yeah, and he was he, he did a little like a uh, a prelude um kind of talking about the same stuff like the same experiences I've had where people have told me to read it and I just never got around to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well wait a minute. I'll just I'll go on this fantastic journey with a friend. Cool. I, so I mean if I sincerely still recommend Obscure like season one with Judy Obscure. Uh, it's a really great show if you haven't listened to it. But man, am I excited for season two. Are you going to like read along with them? Because that book is, I believe, in the public domain. I I have a physical copy on my shelf that my sister-in-law lent me because she told me to read it. Cool. Yeah, I, w- so, I would like read it along with them. That may be fun. It, it should be fun. Um, So I am really looking forward to that. Obscure with Michael Ian Black. Nice. That's a, I had to read that book. I read it for a paper I was writing in college because um, I was doing a paper on C.S. Lewis and reading stuff that inspired him. And, and it was one of those 10-page research papers, right? And mine involved reading like a shitload of old old uh, literature. And I remember really enjoying uh, Frankenstein. I do know that like it, th- there's some uh, criticisms to it that is sort of just like, well, it's a really old book. Uh and so some of the the writing's not like it's fine, but it, it can be dense. Um, well, it's also, I mean, it, it was also like not written by a professional author. Uh, it, she, I think she it was, was. I think she, she was. was like, she just wrote it because she needed money, and not because she totally cared. Well, she was also sixteen. Really? Yeah, and she also wrote it out of boredom because her and her friends like just picked like random writing prompts to entertain themselves. I know a lot of the really like quote unquote horror parts kind of ap- happen off screen, or like the 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 narrator Doctor Frankenstein kind of glosses over them, um, and it's sort of like I can't tell you what the how I did this because it's an act against God and stuff like that. And so like there's a certain like Lovecraft element where like he does a lot a lot in his stuff, uh, and he maybe even got it from her. Well, he's probably a misogynist. I doubt he read women, but. You know, like, it's like, there's a there's a certain tell instead of show to it, but I did ultimately really think the book was, was pretty fun and worth a read. I also, like, um, Michael covered the preface, where it's like, this is before sci-fi was a genre, mm-hmm. and this is what you could argue it's like the first successful sci-fi book, in a way. Yep. And what's funny is that the book opens with an explanation that not only is this fiction, but it's fiction derived from a sense of things that are incapable of becoming real. But if you humor the intellectual thought of the concept of them functioning, it allows you to be entertained. <laughs> you know, it's like they had to like preface, like, I'm not saying you can do any of this stuff. This is this is crazy bonkers. You have to go into this, like, heads up, this is crazy bonkers, okay? This, this doesn't work. It's just for the story. Um, because that that concept was not necessarily how a lot of books were read at the time. Yeah, and so it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about because now you pick up any young adult novel and it'll be like immediately your level ten wizard. Mm-hmm. Man, it's fun I, to read 
like the old sci-fi stuff and you know the, the the very beginnings of some of that of the genre um even going back to like uh what's his name hg wells or jules Verne. yeah or um the guy that did john carter of mars the fuck was his name but you know you know what i mean right like the the, the kind of the early early stuff and like the the the, the level of tech they were playing with is it's fun it's, it's it can be quaint but it can also be really nice i know c.s lewis actually did a, a sci-fi series um i can't remember what i think the first one was called out of the silent planet and like the way he describes like space and space travel is really cool and pretty and totally unrealistic <laughs> Uh, because you know, they just didn't know, but it, it, it there's something really kind of special about that book, and then I, the second one sucked. I love, I have this like, I have this love of the romanticized space journey of it being the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And there was a really great episode of Deep Space Nine where um, Cisco wanted some like father son bonding, and so you know how sometimes dads will come up with like a project that they're gonna make their son do with them. Mm-hmm. So the the project was they're going to recreate an old uh, spaceship that the Bajorans made where it's literally, they make a wooden spaceship to just like cast and like drift out into space. Hmm. Cause that's what their early spaceships were. And it's like, we're going to make it out of real wood. And he got like wood carving tools, 3d printed and they, but they use like authentic wood, the way the Bajorans would on their planet. Sure. And it, then what's funny is that it actually works. And they fall into a wormhole and accidentally, like, travel all the way to Cardassia, which, like, proves that first voyage was viable, because that used to be a myth. But it's like, oh, there was a secret wormhole that we never discovered. That's cute. But it, it proves that they did go to Cardassia, and they, they throw a parade and have fireworks. Nice. And it's like a, it's this really cute episode that does not feel like Star Trek, like, at all. And it's like, I kind of want more of that. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be late, like, one more point, and then we can leave. I'm sorry. Um, I remember reading, like, sci-fi books, even, like, ten years ago, and, like, they would have, like, fabricators, right? And they just, like, you feed it stuff, and it spits out parts. And they could have these on the ship, and it just cuts down on what they would have for, like, maintenance teams and things like that. It was really neat. And now we have 3D printers, and it's kind of similar. And it's fucking crazy that it's, like, this thing that I thought was a really sci-fi concept, and it's like, wow, they have these machines that just fabricate whatever you want. You just, like, put in a, a plan, and it spits it out, and it's like, we can do that to a degree, and a lot yeah. of people own them in their house, and they're printing like miniatures so they can paint them because that's their hobby. It's it's fucking wild. Well, I, I love the stuff. Um, did you see that that prosthetic leg for dog? I've seen for like a cat, like yeah, somebody similar. somebody's like cat lost uh their legs. Um, I think they're like their four legs. And so instead of, like, buying a prosthetic, he's like, well, I have a 3D printer. And he just, like, invented a, a prosthetic thing for his cat. And now it can scoot around and it, it looks a lot happier. And it's just amazing to think that, like, you could walk around your house and see a problem and go, I will print the solution now. Yeah. It's freaking wild. We live in some neat times. Yeah. It, it's all... Sci-fi stuff is funny because there's a lot of things that we can do that I know I take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually like, I was out and I had to find like, oh, where I'm, I'm low on gas. Where's the closest gas station? And so I just like, I push a button and say, where's the closest gas station? And then a map automatically tells me where to drive yep. in the same way that like a video game works in an overworld. Yeah. And it's it, like, it is this cool. is too easy. Well, 
should we call it here? I think I think this was a fun conversation. Oh, I had fun. Um, I enjoy talking to you. If uh, I hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving, um, as best you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't hear from us next week, you'll you're in for a treat. The week after, we're gonna catch that Sonic Underground episode. Yay! The mother will be found. I've been told. Well, yeah, that's actually, that already happened because they live with her now. Oh. That's the, the I gotta catch you up on the whole Tamers 1, 3, 4, 5 canon. Evidently, there's some lore. I Have you ever watched an episode of Sonic Underground? No. That actually might be an interesting, um, if we <laughs> we could watch an, an actual one and then a Tamers one and decide which has better production value. Oh, God, that sounds like a good time. That sounds like <laughs> a drunk time. That's not, Oh, it will be a drunk time. Okay, I'm going to have to make sure I have liquor in the house for that. We're going to have some fun. I like that. Take care, everybody. Bye.